0: Back with us, uh, and it's always touches our hearts uh, having been overseas. As part of who Nancy and I were, we were watching something last night on TV. Uh, other cultures. Oh, when I see other cultures, I just want to be in it. It's just such a such a blessing to be a part of uh, culture. It's challenge as well, um, but the Lord is so good. Charlotte, come on up and let me let me pray for you and. Ask the Holy Spirit's blessing on you as you share God's word. Father, I thank you for Charlotte, her willingness to serve you. I pray that your name will continue to be glorified in her, through her, as we not only preach, but share and do the mission. And Father, I pray that as she speaks to us this morning, that your Holy Spirit would just come down upon her freshly and give her the strength and energy and excitement. And, Father, as she speaks, I pray that you'd open our hearts and let us, be, let us hear perhaps differently and uh, take in what your Holy Spirit has to say to us. So, Father, thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you.
1: Well, wow, this is big. I've had a great time being here with you all this this weekend. I thank you for coming and and being interested in what the Lord's doing around the world and specifically in Portugal. I want to thank you too for your giving to the Great Commission Fund because, as Pastor said, if without that, none of us would be able to be where we are living today. Uh, thank you for your giving. Thank you for your praying uh, and. Maybe some of you are going to be going, so be ready, ready and listening, you parents that have brought your kids to Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. Be ready for what the Lord has not only for you but for your kids because it's a wild ride with Jesus. You never know what he's going to ask. The truth is, you know, our our um, theme for this week, is to the hard places. And following Jesus is not for the faint of heart, is it? Because following Jesus, he goes to the hard places. So, you know, we talk a lot about, I have decided to follow Jesus. And there's no better pursuit in the world than that one. But there's also no harder pursuit in the world. Following Jesus is not for wimps. It's really hard. It's not, we talked a couple days ago about the difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. The fans stay on the sidelines and clap their hands and say, yay, go, go, go. You know, A follower gives their life to Jesus and goes with him wherever he tells you to go. It's dying to yourself and living the life of Jesus wherever it is that he goes. And it's costly to us. It costs us nothing, just our whole life. And what a wonderful thing that God wants my life. It's incredible that he is willing to let me follow him. Because sometimes, oh, I'm struggling to follow Jesus, to give it all. No, if we could just see how wonderful it is to follow him. We're not giving up anything of worth when we give our life to him, when we die to self and live to Jesus. Because he's got it all, and I have nothing. You know, there's a, um, a verse in Psalm 27.4, one of my favorites, and it goes like this. One thing I've asked of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple to gaze upon the beauty of our Lord. Our Lord is dazzling. He's beautiful. It's our privilege to follow him. It's not a sacrifice to follow him. It's amazing that he invites us to follow him. I can assure you Jesus did not win the lottery when I gave my life to him. I gained eternity when I gave my life to him. And I will go anywhere with him. Because just like King David said, one thing I seek, and that's to be in the presence of God every day, all the days of my life, so I can gaze on his beauty. When was the last time you were dazzled by the beauty of our Lord? I hope it was yesterday I hope it was this morning, because he, he's so worth following. There's nowhere in the world better, not your, your highest dream, you, the, the goal of your life, nothing will ever come close to being in the presence of God, meditating on his word, and being dazzled by his beauty. There is nothing better than that. And it's right before us. Now, it sounds wonderful. Who wouldn't want that? Well, because you've got to kind of follow him where he goes. And it's not the place maybe that you want to go. Jesus goes to these hard places. And he goes to hard people. And I'm not here to tell you about, oh, my heart, how hard it is in Portugal. I work with hard people, and I work in hard circumstances. You guys know what hard is. I'm not saying my life is any harder than yours. The hardest place to be is in the center of God's will, because that's where the enemy is attacking you. The best place to be is in the center of God's will, because that's where you can gaze upon the beauty of God. So... It's like that whole, the, the irony of the kingdom of God, how wonderful it is and how hard it is. And we all live that reality every day. But Jesus is worth it. It's worth following Jesus, even when he takes us to the hard places and the hard people. You know, how many of you have hard people in your life? I asked this this morning. We do. We have hard people in our lives, and some of them are people we love profoundly. Some of them we just want to be away from them the rest of our lives, right? God takes us to hard places, and he doesn't always explain himself to us. I shared on Friday or one of those days, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on on your understanding because God does not have to explain everything to me before I follow. I follow because I want to be with him. Whether I understand what's happening or not. There's some verses that I'm sure we all know in Isaiah. They go like this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We're never going to figure Jesus out. His thoughts are so much higher. When we study theology, the only way we can study theology is on our knees. We will never be able to put the subject of God on the table and dissect it and say, I got it. We can never put our arms around God and say, I understand. I know God. It's never going to happen. Because his thoughts are way beyond ours. His ways are past our understanding. Now God doesn't put this verse in here to discourage us from trying to understand him or from following him or meditating in his temple. He's just saying, relax, because you're not going to figure me out. Just come and listen to what I'm explaining to you. God has revealed himself so profoundly through scripture, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit in us. He is revealing A lot of these thoughts to us. In the beginning of Isaiah, there's one verse in the first um, chapter that I just love. It's Isaiah 1.18. And it's, God says, come, let us reason together. Just that first part of that verse. Come, let's think about this together. That invitation of God to come and let's reason together, I'll show you how to think. These thoughts that are way beyond you, I'll cut them into small pieces for you and I'll show you how to think. In the New Testament, Jesus shows us a lot of different images of this idea of come, let's reason together, of we have the mind of Christ. Jesus says, come, I'll show you how to think. Jesus said, come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and take upon my yoke. Let me teach you. Come walk with me. I love this, because God isn't saying, I am so much bigger than you are, so just stay there, my little peasants. He doesn't think that way. He says, you're never going to figure me out. Excuse me, I'm doing a no-no, but I need to suck on one of these things. So I'm not gagging on you. He says, come and listen to me. Walk with me. Work with me. I love that image of the yoke, of Jesus showing us how to live, Jesus showing us how to think. In the end of the um, book of Habakkuk, there's this verse. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. He enables us to walk on mountain heights. He gives us the ability to think his thoughts. We have the mind of Christ. Let's not waste it. There's a whole ton of things that God wants to do in this world, and he's given us everything we need to do it. Let's not be afraid of the hard places to go, to the hard people, because God is dazzling, and they need to see him. They need to experience that peace that passes all understanding when you know Jesus, when you don't understand what's happening, but you trust him. And there's a peace that that, that God gives us. People need to see Jesus. And they're not going to unless we go. Unless we go to those hard places. I just want to talk a little bit about the hard places that I have in Portugal. I would say one of the hard places or hard realms in Portugal is the realm of atheism and agnosticism of Jesus is irrelevant. That whole religion thing is a part of the past that been there, done that, and get on with life in in the modern world and forget that stuff. We've progressed. We've evolved from needing Jesus. It tears my heart apart when people believe that because their heart's screaming for Jesus and they're ignoring it. And I want to share a little bit about one of my friends. Her name is Carmen. And I may have shared about her a little bit the last time I was here because I've been praying for her for 10 years now. She um, is a neighbor of mine. She's a philosophy professor. I have a really smart woman, and she needs Jesus. Uh, when I first moved into Paredes, I started having women's teas and parties and stuff in my, in my house. They were more parties than anything else, just so I could get to know people. And I would invite people by putting a handwritten invitation in all of the mailboxes in the three or four streets around me. The last the last um, church I was in, in Perrysburg, there was a post office worker and she said, you know you've committed a federal crime when you did that? I'm like, oh boy. But, um, so I would invite the whole neighborhood and I would have, I've had up to 50 people in my house uh, for different events. But the first year I was there, I had an open house in, In November, I I, I got in, I moved in in September. In the end of October, I had an open house. And then I had a Christmas tea. And so I put, again, the little handwritten notes in everybody's um, uh, mailbox. And for Christmas, I had about 25 women. And then after the tea was over... um, I had a knock on my door. It's December, so it's cold outside. And a knock on the door, and it was Carmen. I had never met her before, a neighbor. She lives just three doors down. And she said, she had the invitation in her hand, and she did this. I don't ever want to receive another one of these again. I'm like, cool. okay. I have nothing to do with religion. I am a um, philosophy professor, and I do not ever want to receive one of these again. Um, This has nothing to do with religion. You know, I'm trying to explain to her. No, I'm new here. Everybody knows I'm a missionary. I'm new here. I'm just trying to get to know people. There's There's no religion involved in these teas. We're just getting together. I want to get to know people and just you know, trying to talk, and we just kept talking. I'm trying to convince her to come in that door because it's cold outside, and she's, no, I'm not coming in, but we just started talking, and through we talked for, like, 45 minutes at the door, and she has studied um, St. Augustine from a philosophy uh, perspective. I've studied St. Augustine from a theological perspective, And so we just, you know, found some common ground to talk about. And finally she said, you know, we should get together and have coffee someday. I'm like, yeah, that would be a great idea. So that was the beginning of a a great friendship. I love her and still friends today. I had coffee with her just the day before I left in July. Still doesn't know the Lord. But the Lord has spoken to this woman woman, so many times. It, 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 it's just like he dazzles me. How he shows himself to people who are just like determined, not the hero kind of thing. So we, have, we would get together at least once a week and just have coffee and talk. And one day she said, Cheryl, I have a question for you. You know, what did Jesus do? the first 30 years of his life. Because apparently he didn't, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about it. And I think, he, she said, I, I have an opinion. I said, of course you do. So <laughs> she said, I believe he went to India, got mystical teaching and then came back and proclaimed his supposed truth. And I said, Well, you know, I've, you know, heard that, that there's people that believe that. But I said, I believe Jesus led probably a pretty normal life for the first 30 years. You know, that's the Bible doesn't say anything, but apparently, you know, Joseph isn't a part of the family anymore. He's probably died and he's the oldest of kids. And so he probably became a carpenter to keep the family, you know, to to maintain his family, in the first 30 years of his life, he lived a life of a normal person, just like you and me. And so I said, that, that's precious to me, because the king of the universe, the savior of all mankind, lived a normal life for 30 years. He knows what it, my normal life is. And he relishes it. He gave us life. He loves living our normal life with us. He's a part of our life every day because he lived 30 years as a relatively unknown person, and she's like, ah, thought, okay, okay, kind of thing, but she was chewing on it. So we were walking home, and she had a, a pen drive. She wanted to um, get some photos uh, printed, so we stopped at this little mom and pop store in our just at the end of our street, and. It has just a little bit of everything, not a religious store or anything. But while he was um, printing off the photos, you know, I was just walking around looking, and there was like a um, a card rack. And so I walked over there and I picked up the first card, and it was a face of a big dog, and. And so Carmen's behind me looking. She says, oh, that card is just perfect for you. She thinks, uh, you know, she doesn't like dogs. And so she said, that card is just perfect for you, Charlotte. I'm like, yeah, that kind of is. Put it back. And I picked up the next card down. And the only thing written on it was, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. And I pointed that card to her and I said, and this card is just perfect for you. And it was like, the presence of god just filled that little store and it was like god is revealing himself to carmen and she knew it her jaw dropped and i'm pretty sure mine did too but i was just like god is speaking and his she felt his presence she heard him speak at first you could see her thinking how did charlotte you know manage to set all that up you know and it was like there was no way, you know, that that wasn't God speaking. So she's like in awe, and says nothing. And I'm like praying, God, I don't want to mess it up. You know, I don't want to say anything either, than the wrong things. She paid for photos, and we're walking home, and she's in silence. She's it, she's like trying to process what just happened. And so we get close. Her house is before mine, so usually I just leave her at her house and then go home. Well, she said, No, let's go to, we'll keep walking, keep walking. So she's with me. We go, we stop in front of my house. And she looks at me and she says, Do you think God just talked to me? And I said, Yes. And it's not the first time he has either. And she said, Well, If that's true, I'm really good at ignoring him, aren't I? And I said, yeah. And with that, she turned around and went home. And I'm like, okay, Lord. Wow. You know, this woman who is like dead set that God does not exist heard God speak to her. And she can't get her head around it. She still can't. After that, we started, I, I would leave books out on my coffee table and hope that it would spark her interest to maybe take one home and read. And one day she looked at me and she said, you know what, Charlotte, you need to read books that don't agree with your position. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I do read other books. And she says, okay, I have a book for you. I said, okay, give me the book. It was by a Portuguese author that's known for being a very militant uh, atheist. He's Jose Saramago is his name, and, and he's very celebrated. Um, Portuguese author. So I read it. I read the book. It's on Cain and a terrible book. Um, not a good book to read. Thankfully, it was a small one. So I read it and we had great conversation after it about, you know, how can God be good if the world's so evil kind of thing. So, you know, we ta- had a great discussion about the book after I read it. And I said, you know, Carmen, we have in the States book clubs where people get together and read, you know, read books together and then talk about it. And she said, oh, that sounds like fun. I said, okay, so I read your book. Now you read one of my books. And she's like, okay. So I gave her the New Testament. So she read the New Testament. And she's like, that's kind of not fair, Charlotte. I said, well, you, we're trading books. So she read the New Testament. And then we started a book club uh, with six of us from the neighborhood, a banker and a psychiatrist and an exec- executive secretary, a marketer, all different kinds of people. And once a month we would get together. One person would choose a book. And we'd read the book in that month and then get together and talk about it. Whoever chose the book led the discussion. So read a lot of really weird books, but every single conversation, and we did that, I don't know, five years maybe, four or five years, it ended with COVID. Um, Not once did we have a meeting that Jesus was not discussed. And it wasn't because I insisted, it's because it came up, you know. And in one of them, the discussions, it was my turn. So every six months I got to choose the book. And so I chose once uh, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. I don't know if any of you have read it, it's one of my favorite books. And I wanted them to see what my faith was. I didn't want to prove my faith to them because there's a lot of good uh, apologetical Books. I wanted them to get a taste of knowing Jesus, being pursued by God. So we read that. And one of the guys in the group, very educated, you know, very nice guy. All this beautiful flowery speech saying, nobody really believes that God speaks to people. It's all metaphor. The whole Bible is beautiful pictures of, you know, the phoenix rising from the ashes and how we can learn, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, nobody really believes that God speaks to people. It doesn't happen. And so I'm like, okay, here we go, Jesus. You know, it's like, I believe that. I believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he literally lived a human life here as the son of God and literally died and literally rose again. And he speaks to people today. And Joan's very nice, so he's just like blown away but says nothing. And uh, I looked over at Carmen, and I said, I know at least one time in your life that God spoke to you. And she kind of laughed, and she said, yeah, that's true. There was one time when I thought maybe there was a voice in the universe, is how she put it. God is speaking to this woman whose mind is afraid of being duped but the truth is she's already duped and she needs desperately to hear jesus the voice of jesus and to believe in him it's a hard place where she is her dad died a few years back and she was close to her dad and of all the people i've met i think Maybe her dad knew Jesus without, you know, being a Christian. Whenever we would talk about the differences between Catholic Church and he always talked about Jesus, he prayed to Jesus. So I think, well, maybe, you know, Carmen's dad knows the Lord. But Carmen, when he died, she would weep, just weep, saying, I miss him. I said, Carmen, doesn't your... Your heart just scream that your dad exists somewhere else, That the worthiness of his life, the fact of his existence should continue on. You know, the worth of the human being being made in the image of God, gives us the hope of eternal life. Don't you desire that? And she's like, yes, my heart screams for that. But it's all illusion she says. It's like her heart is there, but her mind's saying, nope, 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 don't be duped, because only fanatics say Jesus is coming back. Pray that Carmen would understand who Jesus is and be dazzled by him and say, I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. We all sparkle a little different in Jesus' hands. I can't wait to see how Jesus shows himself through the life of of Carmen. I can't wait to see her come to the Lord and hear how she hears from God because she's a great person. She already knows a ton of stuff about the Lord that she has rejected. But the minute she meets him, it'll be like Paul who rejected all of that. But the minute, oh, he's real. And everything she has studied in philosophy will about Jesus will start to make sense. And she can probably explain some things to me about it. She is a hard person today, but I don't think it's going to be forever. Pray for her. Pray for Carmen that she would recognize truth and follow Jesus with all of her heart. Um, I want to share one more a uh, hard place, and I've touched on it uh, a little bit. Hard people in dog rescue. I um, I don't have a dog rescue ministry. I <laughs> I work in my community in dog rescue. It's a way that I've been able to get to know people. I still teach and preach and give leadership courses at different churches. That's my ministry. But I want to get to know people in my community and reach needs in my community. And for about at least 10 years now, the Lord has given me dog rescue as a volunteer um, to meet a lot of different people and be able to have a platform to share the gospel over and over and over again with people, to, to have relationship with people that need to hear about him. And uh, Diana and Hicardo are neighbors of mine. They have come to know the Lord. And that's a long story that I can share with you on another time. They know the Lord today because we loved animals together. We were able to spend time with each other. They heard the gospel over and over and over again. Because of the common love of dogs created a common love for Jesus that we have today. I love to see how Jesus, how the Lord works. Pastor was talking this morning about Joe Keel, who loves fashion and color and, you know, makeup and, you know, combining your clothes just right in the color that suits you. She's always loved that kind of stuff. And the, she she was able to use that to share Jesus with a lot of people in Brazil. And our interests, our personal interests, take us to hard places, to hard people that would never hear about Jesus if we didn't have those um, common interests. And there's a lot of overlap between dog rescue and Jesus rescue. There's a lot. There's a lot of people that I was speaking this morning that love animals because they're done with people. They've been hurt a lot by people, or they've hurt enough people that people don't want anything to do with them. So they give themselves to animals. And they invest a lot of money in saving animals. And most of the people that I know in dog rescue would do anything to rescue a dog. And It's kind of cool because I can say, well, you know, Jesus would do anything to rescue us. And he did do anything to rescue us. He died. And over and over again, I've had a lot of different um, opportunities to share with people. Once we were saving baby puppies, a mother and puppies, and they were really sick me and a, a friend, a fellow fellow volunteer. And she's, I don't know, 30, 35, professor of sociology at a university. And we went to get these puppies to take them to the vet. And as we were putting them in the car, I had one puppy and it died in my arms, this little puppy. And here are two grown women crying over this dead little puppy. And we, you know, dug a hole at the, um, at the shelter and buried this puppy, wrapped her in a, in, a, in a blanket and buried this. And as we buried this little puppy, she said, so Charlotte, what do you believe in life after death? What do you believe about that? Was able to share Jesus with her crying together with her. That's how we need to share the gospel, not putting a track, and I'm not saying that's, you shouldn't do that. It's not just putting a track in somebody's hand or preaching you know, a, a podcast. God uses all that. We are effective when we live life with people, and in the sadness and in the joy that we are sharing, we share Jesus. You know, to talk about the resurrection of Jesus over a dead puppy. It was like blowing my mind. It was like, I mean, I'm crying too because it's a little puppy dead. But Jesus is revealing himself to these people. And we need to take every opportunity to go into the hard places because Sonia won't hear about Jesus anywhere else. Uh, one one week, uh, we got... Um, a call from a neighborhood. Uh, Somebody called and said, there's a loose dog, he's really sick, he's mangy, and we don't want him with our kids and with our dogs, so would you come and get him? And they called, actually called three different rescues from different cities to come and get this dog, and nobody could get him, nobody could trap him. Well, one Saturday afternoon, they called us and said, we have cornered him, and you can come, and we know you can get him. So three of us went, and sure enough, they said he's down there. And it's down this ravine where there was a wall, a, uh, a rock wall, a stone wall, and all overgrown with bushes and vines. And they said, but we know he's down there. I'm like, oh, okay. So I started down the ravine, and I could smell him before I could see him. He was really sick. Uh, There's a digital frame out there. You can see he's the white dog that's kind of strange looking. He had just tufts of hair on his back. He had a very bad case of mange. He was really sick. And as I got closer to him, I could smell him. He was stinky, and he was snarling. He did not want anyone close to him. He was probably not treated very well, by people that he knew or had contact with. So as I'm getting closer, he's snarling, and he's saying he's as back as far as he could get into the brush and the wall. So I reached down to get him, and he actually bit me uh, as I'm reaching down to get him, and pull him out, and as soon as I put him up against my chest, he just stopped. Snarling and fighting, and just kind of pushed himself into my chest. It was like he knew he was get, being rescued and just surrendered. And it was a beautiful moment. All of us started crying. It's like this dog knows he's being rescued. And you know, I've thought so many times and I've shared with a lot of people that's what it's like to be rescued by Jesus. We're stinky and we're snarly and we're sick. And we're running from them. But the moment Jesus puts his arms around us, everything changes. When we know Jesus is rescuing me, it's all true. Imagine Apostle Paul when Jesus appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you? I'm Jesus. Oh, oh my. He was being rescued. And... Hopefully you remember what it's felt like the first time you felt the arms of Jesus around you and you were rescued. We need to take that to other people. That relief, that release. I have a savior and he came and he rescued me. And I was stinky and snarly, but he didn't care. And he still rescued me. That's what he's doing with people all over the world. And we just have to tell them, Jesus has rescued you. He did everything he could to rescue you. Stop snarling. Stop resisting. Surrender to Jesus. Let him take you into his arms. It's the greatest place to be. Be dazzled by Jesus. That's what will save the world. Not you know, our great theological arguments or our great strategies. It's Jesus rescued you. Surrender. Come to him. He's worth being followed. He's beautiful. Gaze upon his beauty. Be dazzled by Jesus. Stop looking at other things. We read the verse, you know, money's the root of evil because it takes away our focus from Jesus. There's nothing more precious than Jesus, nothing. Not one treasure that you can imagine is better than Jesus, than following him, even to the hard places, even to the hard people who, like Carmen, you know, 12 years later, is still resisting. She's still kind of stinking snarly, in, in one sense. Like, no, I don't want Jesus. I don't want to be duped. That's, that's what crazy people think. you know. Pray that she would be rescued, that she would feel the arms of Jesus around her. And I pray for you guys in your hard places, because I know you have them. You have hard people. You have hard circumstances to go through. Mine aren't any harder than yours. Mine are just different than yours. Be dazzled by Jesus. Contemplate his glory, his beauty every single day. Transforms us. Feel his arms around you. Remember, I've been rescued. I was thinking snarly too. And Jesus rescued me. Don't ever lose the wonder and the awesomeness that Jesus rescued you specifically. And then take that that belief, that love to other people. You know, okay, you're kind of intimidating to me, and you're a lot smarter than me. You know, these smart people, you know, they love showing they're smart. They're not smarter than Jesus. So I just listen and try to figure out what they're saying half the time. Scientists like blow me away because they give me all these. I don't. I can't even repeat what they say because I don't know. I have no idea what they're saying. And I just listen because they're all excited about it. Whatever their formulas and stuff. It's like, well, okay. Yeah, it's like listening to a plumber that comes to your house and tells you what, what he's going to do. And I was like, well, have at it. I have no idea what you're saying, but I'll listen to you <laughs> kind of thing. You know, We don't have to understand what everybody else understands. We have to know that Jesus knows a lot more than they do. And he knows exactly how to minister their heart and their mind. Because God doesn't want just their heart. He wants their mind, too. He gave them the mind you know and a lot of their minds blow me away it's like wow how can you know that all because Jesus gave it to them they don't realize it but all the intelligence that we have if it's true came from the lord and the day we realize that is like the like a jaw dropper day you know the very breath i have in my lungs is because god gave it to me and as we look back on our lives, we can see Jesus was everywhere. And Carmen is going, to be, is going to be able to see Jesus is everywhere and all over her life. I can see it. She can't. Pray that these hard people would come out of their hard places. That they would be rescued by Jesus. They would submit to that rescue. That they would know what it's like. That they would be dazzled by Jesus and become followers of him too. Thanks for letting me be here with you this weekend. God bless you. Let's stand.